Ron, you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Woo. How hey. close you want to do this? Is that good enough? All right. So, Ron, um, just to recap, I just kind of wanted to talk to you. I know you got recently engaged, so we're going to be talking about um, that and kind of how you met um, your fiancé. And then we'll also transition to a little bit about Prime America and how people need insurance and also how it's a good way to get some extra streams of income. So right now it's uh, three of us, it's actually four of us. So Anisha's on the phone and then in my presence is uh, Vanessa, Beverly, and me. So we may just be coming at you with different questions as they come at the top of our head. I'm hearing a, oh, okay, stop. I was hearing some noise in the background. But That's Justin opening up his candy. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we're just going to record it. It's not going to be any hard questions, so it's not like we have to prep. Just, you know. Give the single ladies some hope <laughs> for these men out here who not looking up and seeing the real ones when they walk by. Okay? Cute, know how to cook, don't smell, you know, all the good stuff. All that. Like, dang. Right. What, a, what a woman got to do? Right. Where I got to go? So, um, I'm going to have you kind of just introduce yourself, okay? Okay, all right. All right, so um, let's go ahead and get started. I think we are ready recording live. So, I just want to welcome everyone to the forecast. Uh, for, 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 wait, we got to edit that part out. Okay, now we got to start. I would just like to welcome everyone to the Fortified Podcast once again. Uh, today we have a guest speaker, uh, Ron Purnell, and we're going to be talking about talking to him about his recent engagement and Prime America, uh, what his job is. So welcome, Ron. Thank you, thank you. Uh, you want to uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm, uh, my name is Ron Purnell. Uh, born and raised in Cal in Oakland. Um, most people think I'm from Texas. I, I, I go back and forth so much that I start to develop an accent. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty much a young entrepreneur, fired up and excited about life. And that's pretty much me. All right. So um, I remember talking to you about... Um, how you met your fiance. And yep. I thought that the story was a great story because she actually had to catch your attention. That's right. And I just kind of wanted to um, talk about that a little bit on how that happened. And um, okay. I don't know if you remember the conversation we had about it, but. I know you was like, you was just busy growing your business and working and um, you were cool as far as relationships go. You was just growing your business and uh, since she came into your life, she kind of, I don't know if I'm telling the whole story <laughs> or not, but I'm going to stop there and I'm going to let you take it from there. Yeah, well, it was uh, exciting and uh, challenging time. 
I was not really looking for, actually I had got out of a relationship for about two years and I wasn't really looking to go back into a relationship because I was focusing on what I, the things I needed to do. Um, plus, at that time there was my great-grandfather, he was um, dying and I also lost a cousin at that time to cancer right around when I met my fiance, Therese. Um, so I really wasn't looking, but she tried so hard. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't know that she was really trying this hard until later, but I guess she was on my Facebook, and I used to wear a, uh, a, a ring that I had bought for myself in the Bahamas, and so she actually thought I was uh, married, <laughs> um, but I wasn't, and so uh, she started to like, of course, I noticed her on Facebook liking all my stuff, but I wasn't really... You know, people like things all the time, right? So I wasn't really tripping on that note, but she actually came down to the Brick House. What is and, the Brick House? Uh, the, the Brick House is a sports bar in Oakland that my family owns. Um, and she came down there to get some ribs. It was her birthday, I think. It was her birthday. And she had posted on Facebook that, um, you know, she's not doing anything for her birthday. And I was like, man, that's kind of messed up. You know, it's your birthday. You posted online that you're not doing anything. So I told her to come down and get a get a plate. And at this point, I never met her. I didn't know her. Um, but I inboxed her and said, hey, I know it's your birthday. You know, if you're interested, you can come down. To the, the, I gave her the address. And come pick up a, uh, you know, I'll get you a plate of food for your birthday. Just just be nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so she, she, Ron's she a nice guy, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> she, she came down, and uh, it was kind of different. Uh because I have a certain taste that I look for when it comes to women, and at uh -oh. that time I wasn't really looking. Um, but I'm, I'm so she walked in with a backpack, hair all over the place. It, it was just a mess. Ron, you didn't have to say all that. <laughs> she might listen to him. Yes, yes, we got three Pisces over here. Oh, 
<laughs> hopeless people. Hopeless romantics who do their hair. Exactly. Now that I'm older, I realize there's a difference between love and infatuation. Okay. Uh, a lot okay. of my relationships were infatuations. You know, it was good at the moment. Uh, we look good together, like, seem like it's good, but it's really not. Like, we have two different or three different things going on, and, and you know, long term it wouldn't work. Short term it works fine, you know, but long term it wouldn't work. And so I realized that I didn't want to fall into that trap again because, you know, time is running out. So uh, I actually approached this one a little bit differently. Okay. So how did she catch uh, so, your attention? So that's why it took two years. We was we was uh being careful. I've been waiting for this engagement. Uh, the way she spoke, she was educated. Um, Can I also add something? Yeah. What you told me, you told me also that she um. Uh, was engaged in your business. She got interested in what you was doing. Yeah. She was still yeah. promoting your business. So she was like supporting what you were doing. Yeah, and I, I thought that, at first I thought it was kind of weird because I never asked her to do any of those things. Um, and she just woke up one day and said, I want to go get licensed. Mm -hmm. I want to do what you're doing. And so I said, okay, well, I kind of like threw her on the back burner um, because I didn't know if she was serious or not. Um, but she did. She went out there. She was actually the fastest person ever that I've had on my team to get licensed. Wow. Um, she did it in about two and a half weeks. Um, and actually, it was really, uh, I was really shocked because we were on our way to Texas, and she took her test and passed it the day we were flying out. Wow. And a lot of people would have been like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'll wait till I get back, or I'll, I'll you know, the, the excuses come up. Um, and I think she was more or less interested because she um, have a child and she know that insurance is important and she knew other people that possibly could need the stuff that we have to offer. Um, so it, it, it wasn't like meeting somebody on the street where I have to do a lot of convincing. It was she convinced herself. Um, and that's I, I did appreciate that. Okay. So what you're saying is that if you see a man you're interested in, get interested in what he's interested in. Yeah, and look I'm cute while you're doing it. Yeah, don't have I'm a backpack on. <laughs> <laughs> and if you come coming from work, change in the car. Fix your hair. Comb your hair. I'm saying if you see somebody that you're interested in, I know all the stigma, you know, a man should chase a woman, but if you see somebody that you're interested in, you should at least try so when you say try, what does that mean? So I'm asking you because I posted a question recently on my Facebook page. Because me and my friends were talking about this. Because we feel like we some bomb chicks. Mm -hmm. We love Jesus. We work. We comb our hair. That's a check. Don't forget to comb your hair. Yeah, don't you know? Comb your hair. So all those great things, you feel like you check all the boxes, but you might not be getting the response that you're looking for. Because you know, men are visual, so you got to look the part too. Mm -hmm. Um... But I was like, okay, is it okay for a woman to approach a man? Like, do men like that? Because we feel like okay, sometimes well, men are oblivious. Like, hello? Well, let's go back to the, uh, you just, you said, uh, you know, men go by the looks. You know, you said you look good, your hair is calm. When I saw Therese, at first, 
I was like, you know, like I said, I wasn't okay, looking for a relationship, but I was like, I, I probably wouldn't work. But later on, I think what I saw was potential of what she could be if she had the right person in her life. Oh. And so a lot of times... help her. We oh. bruise ourselves up for somebody and, and, and really you... <laughs> No. So kind of find somebody that can help mold you, you know, that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to present yourself the right way, I guess, to the right person. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you you just said something about she had potential. And as women, what I hear all the time is you shouldn't go after potential. Right. Yeah. Because we all got potential to be something. But Yeah, well, I was just talking about her looks. But I, I, I think the point that Ronnell is making is a good point, and I'm going to take it from a biblical perspective. Women should not go after potential, but he also, the scripture also does not say, she that finds a good husband finds a good thing and obtains favor in the sight of the Lord. If he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor in the sight of the Lord. So God is going to give the male a different eye and to see mm into the future a different way okay. Okay. that's one of the ways that i read that when when i read that scripture or that scripture pricks my heart that he's going to allow the man to see the woman in the form of wife she doesn't have wife in front of her name but the potential of her being that is present to that man yeah or not like you said when he first saw her he's like nope mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the potential you saw? Uh, I started off with uh, her heart, because her attitude was in the right place, her work ethic was in the right place, uh, education-wise in the right place. Uh, so I had to like kind of put the looks or the things that I would be attracted to to the side for a minute. Um, so that way I can really get to know her and it didn't take long for me to do that um i think we met in september and by october 11th we was already together so um Mm. it was it was a fast it was a fast transition um and then after we got together then i felt like i had the um permission to help her get to where she wanted to get as far as how she looks, how her hair because she didn't she wasn't the way she didn't have to do that for anybody but i wasn't trying to force her to do anything she just needed help <laughs> guidance that's all and sometimes people need help and i but think try, i think that's not to cut you off right now, but we had a conversation on a previous episode about some of these videos of recent pastors shaming either members or guests or coaches, whatever you want to have them, uh, call them. And I like how you just framed what you said, because it's quite possible that that's where one of those pastors was trying to go. But how he came out it was so humiliating and how he said it. And the context in which he said it. But you said it in such a form and a spirit of love that, you know, now that I saw her and we were together, you know, I could sort of help her become who she really desired to be with you. 
but now you guys are working at it together. Yeah. True. Okay. So, Pastor Anisha, do you feel like women should approach men? I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with a woman approaching a man because sometimes he may not see her in the midst of, like Ronell said, he was going through some personal things with his grandfather, grandfather being very ill and losing a cousin, another family member, and he had just come out of a relationship. So what he had told himself was, I'm just focused on me and, and hustle and do what I need to do with my business. Um, and so for her putting herself in, in the environment in which she was in, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. Uh-huh. Um, I think sometimes, though, and I was just having this conversation with another group of individuals over dinner, that sometimes we as females, we become so aggressive mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's just too obvious. And it's like, you you got to give him space to breathe. He will eventually see you. And if it's meant for him to respond to you and the two of you to be together, it's going to happen. He you don't to have to now. keep uh, being so aggressive <laughs> to the point that you're almost <laughs> bullying this man to see you. And I think that's what a lot of women are doing today. Yeah, that's the part I didn't experience. Now, there was somebody before that that was very aggressive, but Therese was nowhere near uh, aggressive. Um, she didn't make it obvious that she wanted to be with me or even was after me, but she was just kind of putting herself in the environment. So I have to see her because she's in my face, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so eventually you go and you start talking and, okay, what do you do? Uh, how's life? You know, things like that. So how um, did you know that what, she was the one? Or when did you know uh, she was the one? We went on a, on a date and... Um, I took her to this restaurant in, I think it's in San Mateo or somewhere. Anyway, we went to see, it was a band. <laughs> and she knew every song, every single song. And I was kind of like nervous because usually the day you talk. But we didn't do much talking. It was more about singing and eating. Um, and I, after that, I realized that, uh, you know, let's, the next day we went and we actually talked like we were supposed to do the night before. Um, and I don't know what got me to where I am today, but <laughs> um, everything that she said, I, I liked. Uh, the more we went out, I liked, you know, I liked the feeling that I had. Uh, you know, somebody in your corner. Mm-hmm. Um, most people that I run into, they're complaining about their life and uh, just kind of dragging me down and I'm not in that mindset to be dragged down because like they said you can do bad by yourself yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't want to eat all the problems and so what we did was to make it easier we went out a, a third or fourth time and we just put everything on the table this is who I am and I told her what I like and what I don't like mm. this is before we together because my intent was, I didn't plan to be with her at that. I, I didn't know I was going to be with her, but I figured I would kind of like scare her off. Mm. <laughs> like by giving her all of the stuff that I don't like, I was letting her know I'm not the easiest person. I'm very complicated because I'm picky. 
and I'm bougie on a budget, <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm a little bit different. And I'm busy, so time, how much time do you have? Like, how will we work that out? I'm, I'm putting all these objections on the table to see how she responds. And she put hers back on the table, <laughs> which was shocking. And she said, I'm a single mom. I'm in school. I work every day. Um, you know, just putting all her things on the table. And somehow, the stuff got swept off the table and we was together. <laughs> uh, yeah, I made it work, so huh? She wasn't afraid of, of, of it. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we can give it a shot. And so, um, <laughs> that's what happened. Awesome. Had either of you been married before? No. Mm -mm. Absolutely not. Yeah. Awesome. So when is the wedding? Uh, the wedding is September 19th, 2020. Uh, it would have been this. She's a September person. She loves September. Um, it would have been this September, but it fell on the date fell on a Thursday, I think. So she wanted it on a Saturday. Oh, so y'all trying to do a certain date for the wedding? Yeah, she she is addicted to uh, the number nineteen for some reason and. Okay. 9 19 2020. That's her wedding date. Okay. Mm. Awesome. Uh oh, oh, it would have been 9 19 19. Oh. Yeah, that's what it would have been. He said it's like a once in a lifetime date or something. Uh, but it wouldn't have worked on that date. Okay. Oh, okay. So, how did you propose? Uh, I did a pretty much straightforward proposal. We went to. Um, went to San Jose. We went to dinner at uh, Morton Steakhouse. Um, I kind of felt that I would propose to her, so I, I actually, I had the ring for about four months. Wow. And I was just kind of like going back and forth with myself to say, okay, Ron, here we go again. Are you in love or infatuation? <laughs> Why were you going so, back and forth with yourself? Because I had never gotten this far, as far as mm. finding somebody that I would be getting married to, and I wanted it to be a, a lifetime experience. Okay. Uh, so I was kind of going back and forth, and then you know doubt starts to kick in, and then are you ready for this? Is she ready for this? Um, and so I was going to plan this big proposal, and then one day I think somebody we knew got engaged, and she said, you know, I don't really want my family to be around. I don't want to be in that kind of environment. If you do propose or when you do, uh, this is how I would like it, just me and you. So I said, well, the only place I can do that is probably at dinner. Um, so that's what we did. We went to dinner. Uh, I got all the waitresses and waiters involved in the <laughs> experience. And they moved the table. I got on one knee and proposed. And I already knew she would say yes, so I had them have a... That's good. Okay. Know that she's going to say yes. Don't. <laughs> you know that she's going to be sure. <laughs> you won't be embarrassed at the restaurant. Be like, oh, like, okay. oh, no. no. <laughs> that was good, Mom. I'm waiting until you sure. Yeah, so it, it, everything worked out. 
you guys are uh, the cutest couple, and I'm so happy. And like I said, I've been waiting for this. I think a lot of people have been waiting for it because it's been two years, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's been two years. So I think a lot of us have been waiting for this and uh, just uh, seeing you on Facebook and following you guys. It's, I think it's a, a great relationship, and I wish you well. And I guess I'll put 2020 on the um, calendar. On your calendar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, I don't think I could wait that long. And we were like, okay. We got engaged. Three months later, we married. <laughs> and I don't care what date it's on. Yeah, we would have still been getting married on 9-19-19. We would have made it work. Huh? <laughs> we we would have make that work. We got to make this day work. But, you know, a lot of people is getting married during the week now because it's, it's, so, it's yeah. cheaper. It's a whole lot cheaper. I'm talking about, we looking at wedding venues and even a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Friday, it's pretty much half the cost. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that's a new thing now. So, um, but yeah, I, I, trust me, you know, I don't want to spend more money than I have to. <laughs> so I, I already tried to get it on a different day. It's not going to work. So we've already made arrangements to have it on that day. Okay. Um, weekend so um does anybody have any more questions for ron on this because i'm going to kind of transition to prime america so those who's listening you know you might have to catch the man's attention but once you do once she caught ron's attention he did all the work from there isn't that correct yeah i remember you telling me that she wasn't still pursuing him once she caught his attention um, so, I want to transition to just Prime America. What is Prime America? Uh, Prime America is a financial service distribution system. Um, I add on the distribution system because most people know what an insurance or an investment company is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they don't really understand how distribution works. So, traditionally, when we think of an insurance company, we think of, let's say, Progressive State Farm, Allstate, doesn't matter. Um, you walk into an office and boom, there's a secretary. People sitting around waiting to take you or give you a quote for your business. Um, but Primerica doesn't really work like that. We are more of a hands-on company. And what we do is we actually focus on middle America people that's working hard every day. So we go see those people. We come to their house, um, sit down with them, go over their financial home, talk about their debt, talk about where they are as far as in their credit, um, get them the right kind of insurance. A lot of people have the wrong kind of life insurance. And then we also now start to say, help them save and invest for the future, um, which is everything that on that list is a big problem. It's like the cancer to America. Most people have debt. Most people are spending more than what they make. Um, that's why they have the debt. People are either have insurance or they're underinsured. And the reality of it is most people don't have enough save for retirement. So those are the four areas that we hit um, when we sit down. Awesome. And um, with that being said, so I know there's a way for people to join your team. So what are they doing, selling insurance? Yeah, so what we do is when you come aboard a business with us, um, you pay for your licensing fee. It's $99, which is chump change to what you would make. Um, on your first sale, but what we do, we, when you come on board a business, usually 
I'm the one that's training. I take you out on the field. I take you to people that you know for one reason. Um, that's because of comfort. Because once we get past those people, you're out of your comfort zone now that we're going to see people that you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they join the team, they get licensed. It's usually 30 to 60 days from a process, depending on what the person do every day, um, how much time they have. Most people that uh, we recruit, they are usually working full-time jobs somewhere else, and they're just here to make an extra five, six, seven hundred dollars a month, unless they want to go full-time or what we like to say is work part-time, make a full-time income if they have mm. the time. I like that. Um, so traditionally, I don't know if you guys know, but like when it comes to foreclosures in California, that a lot of times people are foreclosing just for a five hundred dollar difference. Yeah. So. Mm. That's like petty money, $500. And the reality is, is most people, half of America don't even have $500 in the bank. Mm-hmm. So if you can join an opportunity that will give you a chance to go out and do it, we teach help families and make the extra income so you can pay your bills and do whatever you want to do in life, whether it's traveling or giving, um, or maybe it's creating more time, then I thought it would be a great opportunity for somebody that's open to hearing about it. Um, for me, I was working... Um, and somebody told me about this company, and I was like, ah, no, don't want to do it. Not interested. <laughs> Please don't call me no more. Um, so the lady did. She didn't call me anymore for about six months. And I had came here to Primerica, and I think, oh, I was having a lot of things going on at work. People were quitting. Uh, I was a little, like, hesitant. Like, should I stay here or should I be smart about it and quit first? Um, so anyway, I ended up quitting to do this worst mistake of my life mm. because, <laughs> number one, I was not trained properly. And that's one of the biggest things when it comes to financial. Some people come and they leave um, if they're not getting the right training that they need in order to be successful. So that was number one with me. Um, number two, I either can go back to work or I would be, or I can be, or I can force myself to learn the things I need to learn so I can do what I need to do. And that's what I chose to do. Um, so, so how long did it I take got, you to get to that point? Uh, for me to learn, it took about maybe about a year and a half. Because I found myself going to other places, like traveling to other states, learning from different offices, uh, because each office is independently owned and operated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys know Marguerite. I didn't start with Marguerite. I ended up with Marguerite. I actually started an office in San Francisco. Mm. Um, and I didn't really like that environment. So I ended up in Oakland with Marguerite um, because she was very knowledgeable, especially when it comes to investments. And she was one of those kind of people that hold you by the hand and show you what you need to, to learn. Now that I am where I am now, me and Marguerite, we kind of like work as partners. If she has something going on and she needs assist or help or vice versa, um, but we pretty much run our own shows now. And I think that um, when it comes to an opportunity like this, we kind of get attached to like companies like Mary Kay and all these other different, we call them multi-level marketing companies. Um, but there's only one thing that's different. Number one, you got to have a license to do what we do, right? Mm-hmm. Number two, there's ownership. So if somebody were to quit their, let's say, Mary Kay business, there's nothing in return that you get. You don't get anything. 
right? But that primary thing, you build a book of business. If you were to quit, they have to pay you. <laughs> you see, so you build a sense of ownership that if you die, I know that my family will be okay because all the checks that continue to come in from the clients that I had accumulated over the life of my business, my family still gets those checks. Okay. And a lot of times we don't go into that when we meet somebody because most people don't make it that far because they give up and give in before they can even get to the the other side. But it's one of the most powerful things I've ever seen when it comes to an insurance company, knowing that there's only one company that do what we do mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to those areas of making sure that your family is taken care of and that if you're in the business with us, Uh, that you feel secure and that you feel safe and that you know that they'll be around a long time uh, for your needs and for your family. Mm -hmm. Working with with different people and different clients, what have you found that most people don't know about insurance (coughs) that they need to know? Uh, That's a great question. So if we go back in the past, I don't know, if you think about maybe your grandparents, you know, just ask yourself, did you ever see somebody like knock on the door and come pick up the insurance payment? Mm-hmm. Any mm-hmm. guys ever seen that before? No. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. you got to go back. It probably was in your parents' parents. So traditionally, the insurance man will come knock on the door and pick up your, your premium payment um, to secure that your insurance will be enforced if something were to happen. Well, fast forward to today things I've said a few minutes ago is that most people are living paycheck to paycheck. They're not saving. uh, And they're in debt. So the insurance companies knows this. So they sell you a policy. Usually it's called whole life or universal life or variable annuity life. There's mainly three. And they say, okay, look, you pay one payment, right? So let's say, for example, um, it's $100. And you say, well, $100 is a lot. This is what you're telling the guy that's at your house. $100 is a lot of money. And he says, well, no, it's really not that much because um, $30 of it is going to your insurance, right? Mm-hmm. And the other $70 is going to a quote-unquote savings account to make sure that you save money. It's, it, it forces you to save money every month. And in the event that you need some money or your car breaks down or you have to pay your rent, or maybe you don't need it, maybe you'll wait to retirement, but just imagine all these months of this extra $70 being saved, that what good could it do for you? And the client says, okay, that sounds good, I get insurance in the event that I die, you know, and I also have this extra savings account that I can't touch because it's not at the bank when I need the money. So I have to really need this money, okay? Mm -hmm. So the day comes when the car breaks down, and you need the money, or you need some of the money. Okay, so you go, you call the insurance company, hey, man, you know, I remember I set up this account. And guess what they send you? A loan application. Mm. They send you a loan application to borrow your own money that you've been paying every month, right, to borrow the money, and then advises you that if you take out this loan, you're going to take interest to pay it back, or the day when you die, we'll just subtract you from the policy that you have in place, which is usually, if they look like me, not that much. So, Ron, so, I have a, Ron, not to cut you off, I have a question yeah. for you. 
do you find that a lot of people don't have life insurance? They're dying without insurance, and this is how we get into GoFundMe's? Well, the thing is, when it comes to insurance, that most people are not aware how much it actually costs. So they decide not to even take the time to look at it because they have a fear of affordability. And so it's much simpler for somebody to die, right, and their family have to set up a GoFundMe, but it's embarrassing. And, and um, it, it, it's something that's happening now, and the only people that's winning out of the whole situation is the GoFundMe. Because usually the money is not really helping the family. It's going to the mortuary. So what I find out is the people that I go see, those that do have insurance, they don't have enough. Um, I'm not, me personally, I'm not going to pay every month for insurance for the money not to be enough to it to go to C.P. Bannon or Chapel of the Times and not leave my family to die. That doesn't make sense. Um, so most people either have insurance or they have the wrong kind. Those are mainly the two people that we run into. So um, no insurance, or, the wrong kind of insurance, and they think it costs more than it really does. So those yeah, are basically the things that you run into as you're out looking yeah. to, to for people to help. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, go ahead. Oh, no. I was going to say, just kind of just to recap it in closing. So what would you be, what would be your recommendation for everyone to get insurance? No. My recommendation is to sit down with an insurance professional and go over your needs. Oh, okay. Um, not just get any insurance. Look at the benefits that the insurance gives you. Um, there's usually, sometimes, depending on what company, are benefits. And so I can say for sure that I know that the insurance that I market is not the cheapest term insurance in, in the market. I know that for a fact. But I do know that also is that by you having an agent, there's benefits besides that, and that's what you're paying for. Also, the fact that most people don't know, for example, our policy, let's say you get terminally ill, right? Let's say you have a policy with us, and the doctor say, you know what? You have cancer, you have six months to live, for example, God forbid, knock on wood. But most people don't know that with us, whatever the amount of your insurance is, and usually I don't do under 100000 being that we're in California, that company issues you a check for 70% of your insurance money while you're still living to help you because most people are going to have bills still going to be coming in, right? You're probably not going to be going to work. Some people are going to try to live off their bucket list. And there's going to be the very smart people that says, okay, I have this, for example, if it's $100,000, I have this $70,000. How far could this money take me to get my health back in order in America? Probably not that far. So I had a client that went to the Philippines and used their money to get medical attention there that was a whole lot cheaper than it was here and they actually is now cancer free today. Um, so you, uh, you would want to have a company that's going to be there when you need it. So Ryan, so Ryan, what about those people who don't have insurance and can't get insurance? What should they do? So people that don't have insurance you should do what we call a COD. You should call the insurance company and say, look, you know, if you have medical challenges or issues with your health, because insurance is all about your health and your age. The younger you are and the healthier you are, the cheaper you are paying. 
say, I just want to do a COD policy, meaning I want you to take my application and send it in with no money and see what the insurance company say. Let me know if they're going to approve me. If I have bad health, um, if, if you have bad health, the insurance company say, hey, look, we'll take you, but you have to pay more. Or are they going to flat out decline you? So what I like to say is don't count yourself out. Let the insurance company count you out. Okay. So if, if, you, have, if you have medical conditions, just submit an app. Um, and see what the insurance company say. Right. And remember, every time you submit an app to a life insurance company, it's just like pulling your credit report. So if you submit an app with me, and then you go to Progressive and submit an app, Progressive will see that you were declined somewhere else. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you don't want to just be, you, if you're going to find, you want to do your research, find a, a good, reputable company and submit it that way. And Rob, my last question for you is, um, what if you have insurance on your job? Should you also have a separate policy? Yes, that's always a yes. Um, there's different challenges with the job policies. They're all different. Most people don't know the restrictions on the job policy. And so what we used to say was, if you have insurance at work, then, okay, great, you'll probably be there the next 20, 30 years. So any policy you get outside of work will be supplemental. But most people are leaving jobs, you know, every year, every two years, and they're switching. And every time they switch, they end up in another group plan at work. And so now, I don't know if you guys watch the news, but last week, you all heard of Sears, right? Yeah. Sears? Sears. Well, mm-hmm. Sears actually canceled the life insurance mm-hmm. policies for the people that are retired. Mm. Oh, I did see that. Because it's costing Sears $16 million in premiums every single year. <laughs> and so now the, the people that are older, they're retired. How well do you think they took the information, depending on how old they are, is, okay, now I have to go out and reapply for insurance, or I no longer have this group rate. So now my rate is going to go up dramatically because of my age, or, and my health, if I have any health problems. So I like to say, if you want to be in charge, of your own financial house, your job cannot be in charge of that. Your job can't hold your retirement. Your job can't hold your insurance. Because at the end of the day, if they let you go, then you're the one going to be screwed. And so I like to say anything that the job is giving me, that's my supplemental. But I need to have my own outside of work in the event that I don't stay here or I switch jobs. Or that if I, for example, most people don't know if you have work insurance and you're out on disability or you you didn't go to work that day or other stipulations that if something happened to you and you were on your way camping and not on the way to the job, got in a car accident and died, the job doesn't have to pay because mm. you weren't on your way to work. So why have an insurance that halfway covers you and you can have something that covers you for everything? Yeah. What happens to that policy after you leave that job? What was the question? What happens to the policy after you leave the job? Okay, when you leave the job, usually they give you 30 days. And in that 30-day period, you have to convert over to whatever the job insurance company is. Um, usually they'll let you convert to a, a different policy that's your own, and you just have to pay the cost. So you just do a conversion. You're no longer a part of the group plan, and you, you don't have the group rate. You have your own rate, which is usually more, um, 
but it's your policy, and so that stays with you for as ever long as you want to pay for it. Got it. All right. Well, thank you, Ron. Does anyone have any questions? No? Well, thank you, Ron, for joining us today. I really appreciate you talking about your engagement in Prime America. I wish you well thank in you both. Thank you for having me on the call. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to see you in August for the watermelon, right? Yeah, we're going to have a lot of watermelon. All right. <laughs> you know, that watermelon table is pretty popular yeah, now. Yeah, we're going to have the watermelon this year. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll be in touch. Thank you, Ron. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.